I Love Mortgage Brokering, episode 151. Where the best mortgage brokers get better. I Love Mortgage Brokering with your host, Scott Peckford. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here from I Love Mortgage Brokering. Today on the show, I have John Burnham of SWBC Mortgage. He's based out of Austin, Texas, and has been in the mortgage business since 2001. Had a great conversation with John. He talks about how he makes 150 outbound calls a week. That seems like a crazy number to me. Says that he doesn't always get it right, but he always strives to do it. And I got to think, man, that's going to make a huge difference in his business. He's part of the core training program, level three student. And we had a fantastic talk. I just think you're going to really dig this guy. He's um, he's doing some great things, seeing some big growth in his business. And he also shares some failures that he had. He, you know, he had tried an internet business. It didn't work out. And he talks about how he applied some of that learning to his current business. So check out this interview with John. This episode is sponsored by Pioneer West Acceptance Corp. Pioneer West is a private lender in BC and Alberta. Now, normally we have a sponsor for the show. It's because I've used their product or service and I can give it a 100% recommendation. In this case, it's a little different. I don't personally do private deals. So I did some background checking on the crew at Pioneer West and I found everyone said they were fast, down to earth and underwrote deals if they made sense, which is exactly what you're looking for in a private lender. Another cool thing about Pioneer West is they're really fast. In most cases, they can give you an answer in under two hours, which is crazy. So if you're a broker looking for a lender for a private deal in BC or Alberta, tell them you heard about them on I Love Mortgage Brokering. They're big supporters of our community. Check them out at pioneerwest.com. This show is also sponsored by clientcaller.com. After 150 interviews, I can tell you with absolute certainty, one of the most effective ways to increase your business is to consistently call your past clients. The key word there is consistently. I can also tell you that most brokers, myself included, struggle with making these calls. Client Caller is an amazing service where a professional calling assistant makes calls to your past clients for you. The cool thing is they use your phone number and the caller ID, they use your voice in the voicemail, and the calling assistants are all in Canada and they're super friendly and love talking on the phone. The feedback so far has been amazing. You can check out testimonials from real brokers just like you at clientcaller.com. If you're interested in getting set up on the service, visit clientcaller.com slash scott for a special offer just for Island B listeners. That's clientcaller.com slash scott and check out this interview. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and your business? Thank you for having me. Yes, so I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas, and live in Austin now, so just up the road, and moved. I actually went to TCU there in Fort Worth, and then moved to Austin in 2000, and got in the mortgage business in 2001. And so what got you into the mortgage business? Because most people, when they're you know in kindergarten, don't say, hey, when I get up, I'm going to be an LO. What was your path? Yeah, I think I think my son's the only one that, that's saying that now. But yeah, no, nobody really uh, anticipates getting in the mortgage business when they're young. Honestly, I went to a friend of mine. We were trying to buy a house, and he looked at all my pre-approval paperwork. He looked at uh, how much I was making, or I should say, how little I was making, and he invited me to visit his office and come take a look at at the industry. And I immediately just fell in love with it, and from then on, decided that's what I wanted to do. So, changed careers on a whim and. And got in in 2001. And was your position commission or was it salary? Like, how did you transition into that? It was commission only, yeah, from the beginning. It really always has been. At the time, I was working at a restaurant. So I kept both jobs and used the restaurant to pay the bills for a while before I could build up my own book of business. And how long did that take? 
That took about a year and a half to go full-time as a loan officer from 01 to early part of 03. It seems to be a common thread that people say, hey, they started out and then when they get to a point, they leave. Were you excited? Were you nervous when you made that transition from because you had the you know the kind of guaranteed income at the restaurant? And now you're going to straight commission. How was that? Oh yeah, it was, it was a little scary at first. I mean, you know, my my wife had a good job at the time, thankfully, so it it helped us. Uh, but yeah, going to straight commission was. I mean, you have these roller coaster months, right? You have a great month, yay, and then the next month you're you're searching for more business. So uh, that up and down is pretty stressful, probably more on my life than it was on me. And what was the point where you realized, hey, I got this? Like, you know what? It was clicking and was it that one and a half year mark or was it further along? I think it was early part of 2003. So about a year and a half in, a a friend of mine uh, back in Fort Worth was also in the mortgage business. He wanted to expand into Austin. I was uh, with a different company, of course, at the time. So he recruited me to start a branch in Austin. And so that came with it a branch manager salary, so that helped a little bit, and, and then the ability to recruit and grow the team from there, and and really it just took off. And it, as we all remember, 03 to 06 was a pretty good run, so uh, it's a little different than 07 to 09. So uh, that's really what you know kind of catapulted uh, my my passion really for the business. Mm-hmm. And you're still a branch manager now, then? I'm not. No. So I've got a team, and I work with my branch manager. Uh, Melanie, who I believe you've met before. Yep. And so within the branch, I have my team and she kind of has her team and she runs the branch and just a good pair. Right. That's awesome. Okay. So before we dive into the rest of your story, I always like to ask about a quote that's had an impact on your life or business. I love how they're portable, they're memorable. And for me, they keep me on track. So do you have a quote that's really impacted you? So I have a couple quotes. I'm going to use one that I use with my kids all the time because I think just keeping things simple is so important. And that is whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And for me, that's just something that I, I always think about on a daily basis, and I really try to manage where are my thoughts. And if you start kind of thinking the wrong thoughts, you know, we all know that that leads to poor actions and poor results. So I think it, it really starts with our thinking. So can you give me an example of something where you caught yourself, you were like, you're thinking, because I agree with you, you get this stinking thinking and it can lead to uh, the wrong place. So can you think of an example of where that happened, where you actually caught yourself and then changed the story that you're telling yourself, which ends up changing the result? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think on a daily basis, I think a lot, a lot of us struggle at times with call reluctance. You know, I, I like to uh, call on new business referral sources, whether it's a builder or, or agents, and, and we were trying to grow that book of business, right? Well, it's not uncommon to look down at the phone and say, yeah, I don't really think I'm going to call this person or you know, I just have reluctance to make that call because you think, well, the result may not be the outcome that you want. And so you got to just really have fun with it and just decide, okay, this is, I can, I can do this and it's going to be a good result. Whether they say yes or no, it doesn't matter. I'm going to do the activity because over time it's a numbers game and I want to find people that I want to work with. How long have you been like proactive about making calls? Is that something you've done right from the beginning or did, when did you pick that up? No, gosh, I would say just in the last 18 months, 18 to 24 months is, is where I've developed a habit of outbound calls on a consistent basis. And that's really th- thanks to the core. I mean, be- becoming involved in the core uh, training which is a nationwide you know, mortgage and real estate coaching program. The Navy SEALs of the mortgage industry. So do you have set some kind of goals for yourself on a weekly basis on in terms of number of calls or how do you do that? Yeah, so so 150 outbound calls a week is the goal. And I'll be honest, I do fall short of that sometimes. But when I hit it, it feels really good. And you know, a lot of times, even fewer number of calls will lead to sometimes better results or you think they're better results. Uh, but I think the quantity of calls over time, there's just no substitute. So how many of those would people pick up? Because it's calls or does it mean you have to talk to 150 people? 
No, it's outbound calls. Uh, so I would say like on Mondays when I'm making those calls, that's a higher percentage of phone calls that actually talk twos, what I call talk twos. And so I would say that's probably in the 60% range. So if I make 50 calls, I'm probably talking to 30 people. The other days, the other theme days that I have where I'm outbound calling, it's probably closer to 25 or 30%. I'm going to come back and ask you about the calling later because I think it's a huge part of what the core and how they, you know, train you guys to be machines in terms of, you know, origination. But so I want to ask about failure first though. So can you share something that you failed at, but because I don't think failure is ever final. There's always lessons in it. Can you share something you failed at and then looking back now, there was a lesson for you? Absolutely. So the reason that we originally moved to Austin is because we started a golf internet company in 2000 and raised a bunch of venture capital money. My two cousins and I started the company and we raised $700,000 venture capital money. And we were flying high, right? We thought, we thought this was going to be the next big thing. And really we were onto something because what we tried to start is a huge industry. We were doing internet tea times and it just wasn't being done on a widespread you know, platform back then. So that ran about nine months. And when we went to get our second round of funding, our investors pulled the plug. And literally overnight, we went from 12 employees to no job and moving our furniture out of the rental space and breaking a lease. And it was devastating. You know, we really thought we had a, a commitment for more money and for keeping the company going. Didn't happen and had to let nine people go. And the three of us partners just went back to waiting tables really for the short term. So, mm -hmm. so that was uh, tough. I, I took that really, I took that hard. You know, that, that was a tough failure for me. And really what got me through it was the second part of the question maybe is, you know, what kind of got us out of it. And that was a book failing forward by John Maxwell. And I read that book. My mom sent me that book and I read that book cover to cover and realized that I didn't fail. I just found, you know, an opportunity that helped me grow and it wasn't the right timing. And there were some other factors that were out of our control and just learned from it and said, okay, you know, how can we take this and, and get better and, and go find something else and be successful at. Right. It's always interesting. So I found the same thing when I, I've tried different things and the lessons you certainly stick with you longer. And so how has that particular business influenced the way that you build your business now or the way that you even look at the mortgage business? Well, it really, it helps me just not take things for granted on a daily basis. I mean, we were in a position back then, if you remember those kind of dot-com days, everybody was flying pretty high and kind of like the real estate market, maybe in the mid 2000s and didn't feel like it was ever going to come down. And so I think for me, just being grateful on a daily basis for what, what I have and knowing that I've got to continue to put the work in on a daily basis. And it's not something I'm going to rest on and say, okay, great. I had a great month and I had some good some closings that, that, you know, that happened and we had a good paycheck that month and then just sit back and rest. We've got to just keep, keep the hammer down and to continue to grow. Right. And that's where having that sort of commitment to making the 150 outbound calls is sort of you're doing that thing consistently and you know that the results come if you just keep it up. So do you have a morning routine? I've talked to some successful business people seem to have a really tight morning routine. Some don't. So where do you fall? And what does it look like when you sort of get up and get to your office? Like what's the, what's the pattern look like? I have a pretty tight morning routine. I get up every day, usually between 6 and 6.15. And my wife, unfortunately, works evening sometimes. So she's able to get up and kind of handle the kids and get them out of bed and get breakfast made and kind of get them ready for school. So I usually get up and get myself ready and I'm out the door between 7.20, 7.30 with the kids. I drop them off every morning at school, which is it's so fun to be able to take them and just 
you know, kind of get them on their way and encourage them and, mm-hmm. uh, and just spend that time with them a little bit of time. Uh, and then I'm at the office by 8.15. So I don't have a morning workout routine. If I, when I exercise, it's usually on the weekends. It's just not something that I do on a daily basis, at, you know, at home, but, um, I do fit that in, you know, with the kids and, and stuff on the weekends. Right. And then what kind of hours are you usually putting in, in your mortgage business on a weekly basis? So at the office between eight and eight thirty, typically I'm out of the house, out of the office by about five thirty, and picking up the kids in many cases because my wife will work evenings. But on my late days, I may be at the office till six or seven. So it's probably a solid fifty hours, forty five to fifty five, and just depending on what needs to be done on a given weekend, I might put in a few more hours in on the weekends, but or the evenings. But for the most part, it's probably about fifty. Okay. And I've noticed talking to successful LOs, their business seems to have three parts. There's leads, there's team, and there's systems. And so I just want to ask about leads first. So where does the majority of your business come from? After you've been in now for 16 years. So where's the majority of your business coming from? So right now it is exactly 50% from real estate agents. Actually, that percentage is up a little bit in 2017. In 2016, it was exactly 50%. Uh, agents and 43% from my database from past clients, either past clients themselves or past client referrals. And then about six or 7% comes from business people, whether it's a CPA or an attorney, financial advisor. Okay. And since you've joined the core, how has that changed? So is that, was it always that way or has the core influenced the uh, spread of those where the business comes from? Oh, the core has helped me increase my agent referral sources by an incredible number. I think last year I had about 35 different real estate agents refer me business, which for some people that sounds like a lot. For me, it, it didn't sound like a whole lot, not sitting in the room with a lot of these core guys that have hundreds of agents that they work with. But so far this year in four months, I've had already over 45 agents, 46, I think as of yesterday, different agents refer me business. So it's already helped tremendously increase the number of different referral sources and it's probably about 60-70% referrals from agents right now versus past clients or other businesses. And if you don't mind me asking, what kind of percentage of growth have you seen since you've been actively, you know, engaged with the core and following their system like from kind of year say 6 15 to 16, what kind of percentage growth what did you have in there? So 15 to 16 was right at 25%, which I think the core metric is between 20 and 30%. So I felt like I fell in line with that. This year, I on pace to grow just over 30% if it kind of things keep going the way they're going. So that's a good year over year, 20 to 30% is a pretty manageable number. Now that actually moves me to the team question. So how, like, how is your team structured? So, you know, obviously you're the rainmaker, but who else is on your team and what kind of things are they doing? So I have two dedicated people on my team. I have a loan partner, one, and her job is to take the incoming lead calls, uh, request docs, schedule my appointments, really handle my calendar, and just keep me on on task. Uh, my loan partner, two, is really contract to close. It helps with pre-approvals and really contract to close, kind of manages the process, stays in touch with the clients, gives them client updates. And then I have a, a processor as well. And she's dedicated to our team. She does take some files and help other team in the office if she needs to jump in and help some overflow. But for the most part, it's LP1, LP2, and then my processor. Okay. And then, so what's your day? Like, so if you're, then is your job lead gen and do you meet with your clients face to face or what's your typical, what's that look like? Well, I, I'll tell you, if I could meet with every client, I would, I certainly, we make that attempt just geography and traffic in Austin can, can get kind of tough, but, but yeah, I'd say we meet with about 30% 
of our clients. And, you know, for me on a daily basis, Monday, I'm on the phone between five and seven hours for the day, Tuesday, between three and four hours. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is usually when I have client meetings and out of the office appointments, face-to-face meetings that I'm, I'm going to meet with agents, doing a lunch and learn at an office, things of that nature. Right. Outgoing stuff. You're obviously managing a lot of leads. How are you keeping that from like, you know, anything falling through the cracks? So I wish I could say it's a perfect system. It's not a perfect system, but I think we're pretty proficient in using our CRM and we use Google Docs for our lead trackers. So everyone on the team has access to the lead tracker through the Google Doc. And when a new lead comes in, it goes on the lead tracker. Then my LP1 knows that it's her responsibility to call immediately and make that introduction. And so between the lead tracker and the CRM, uh, which we use top of mind, it's, I think it's, um, there's several good ones out there. It, it's worked the best for us. And so we're able to co-brand the referral source with the lead in our CRM. So we know who referred it and co-branded marketing materials can go out to the lead with the agent on there. It's pretty cool. So that's really the two things that, that I think we do that helps prevent things from falling through the cracks. Right. That's good. So what's the best business advice you've ever received? The best business advice I've ever received. You know, I would probably have to say uh, it came from my father-in-law, my late father-in-law who passed away a few years ago. And really his philosophy was all about driving change with your team or with your people. Like they don't necessarily just respond to a memo. They're not going to just take an action on an email. Like you've got to get in there with them and drive the change and consistently be reinforcing what our values are, what our, what our mission is, what our vision is, and just reinforcing that on a daily basis and not just, Hey guys, here's our mission statement. It's on the wall and expect everyone to just live up to that on a daily basis. It's really, how do we consistently drive our business to meet that statement, right? To live that out. Right. And he would just always call it management by walking around. Right. So it's, you gotta gotta be, you gotta be in the trenches. You gotta be in there with, with your people making sure that they're doing things. So do you guys have, do you have a mission statement for your business? We do. So our mission statement is to guide our clients and business partners through the best mortgage experience possible. That's good. And then, so how do you reinforce that with your team? so that it doesn't become one of those things that you put together and then everybody forgets about? Yeah, that's a good question. So on a weekly basis, every Friday morning uh, for 45 minutes, we have a team, what we call business meeting. So we talk about the successes from the past week and the things we need, the opportunities, areas of opportunity, obviously review the mission statement and we, and we review examples of how we've used that or maybe how we could have done better with a certain client or how we shined and maybe got a great review from an agent and we celebrate those things. And so we're consistently talking about it and using real life examples. So it's interesting how the process is the thing that differentiates. I think I was talking to another LO just recently. She was saying that, you know, we're in the commodity business and it's the process. It's the customer experience that's going to make people want to do business with you. What are a couple of things in particular that you do in the process that really helps solidify the relationships? Is there a can you think of a couple examples? Yeah, there, there's a lot more that we want to do. In fact, I just had this meeting a couple hours ago with uh, my loan partner too, and we're implementing things that we know can improve and there's just more to do. I think number one is quick communication and updates to the referral sources about where their lead is at, what stage they're at. And the quicker that we can respond and update and be that customer service driven team, then that's going to build trust quicker 
And I've seen it happen with agents that have kind of tried this with, with one lead. And in an hour, we had a pre-approval. We had a call back to them. We had an email thanking them. We had a card out to the, then we got two the next week. Now we're getting four. Now we're getting five. So it's really about making sure that the people that are taking care of us are, we're taking care of them mm -hmm. and not taking them for granted. And communication in particular is one of those things that's so powerful. If you are really good and you dial in the communication and you make sure that you keep people, if they're looking for updates, you're failing in a way because you want them to be, oh, you want to always be ahead of them. That's right. That's good. Okay. So can you tell me one thing about yourself you can't find on Google? Yes. So when I was 12 years old, I was the national champion for putt-putt. <laughs> for putt putt okay what what is putt putt if we don't know if the listeners don't know what that is so putt putt is you know like the neighborhood putt part where you go out and, and you have like an 18 hole putting course oh, okay, okay and yes. and so there used to be an organization called jpa which is junior putters of america and uh, somehow they have the national championship in my hometown and uh, i but you know the course, so you had like home field advantage, right? Right, exactly. I had home field advantage. It was great. And so that's obviously the passion for the golf that you tried that start that start up in the golf as well. I love golf, yes. Do you play that much? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Not as much as I'm playing Wednesday next week. Oh, that's good. But yeah, I probably play uh, once, maybe twice a month. Cool. So I'm going to move to some rapid fire questions. These you can answer with shorter answers if you like. So what's one thing holding back most LOs from being successful? That we don't prospect enough. We're not prospect for any business enough. And what's the one thing or habit you think's made you successful? Perseverance. No question. Just I'm stubborn and I don't give up. You just keep at it. And what's one software or app you can't live without? You'd mentioned top of mind. Is there anything else that you find that's incredibly useful for your business? Yeah, top of mind is great for the CRM. The uh, The system that we use to request and gather documents is Flowify, and mm -hmm. Flowify is a really good system as well. It also provides client milestone updates as we move through the process, so it's, it's been great. Right, yeah, document collection and, and notification seems to be something that Flowify is good at. Okay, so if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Failing Forward by John Maxwell. I really think that, that was a book that changed my life. And this is my last question. Have you seen the movie Back to the Future? Yes. And so remember the car, the DeLorean? Did you know that it was actually going to be a freezer? And then they thought, well, if we make it a freezer and kids watch this, they're going to jump in their freezers and it could be bad. So they end up making it a car. I know, like crazy random stuff. So anyway, if you could put you in the car and I send you back to 2001 and you could sit down and say, hey, John, here's three things you need to do. What would you three things you tell yourself? Well, number one would be to focus on purchase business quicker. I mean, I got in the business, it was basically a refi market. So I learned the business to doing refinances, nothing wrong with that, but transitioning to calling on realtors and builders earlier in my career would have put me way beyond where I am now. Mm -hmm. What other, what other two things would you say? Yeah. The second thing is I would call my past clients more often. I would call them and check in and just ask them what I can do to help them. Do they need a contractor? Do they need any kind of home services? Anybody I can refer and just really be plugged into what's going on in their life. Are they getting married? Are they having kids? Just being a better resource for them. Just, I'm going to take a sidestep here. How often do you call your past clients now? Well, right now I kind of have them set up to check in annually and it's just not enough. It's just mm -hmm. not. And I, and I have a top 50 past client list that I talk to more often about every other month or so. But I think they really need to be talked to at least three or maybe two, three times a year. Right. Okay. So first one was purchase business. Second is call past clients more often. What would be the third thing? Yeah, I think the third thing would have been to hire quicker, hire team members quicker, and, of course, implement systems quicker. But I'm just 
just found the core two years ago. So like I told Rick, you know, I, I, I didn't find the core early enough. Right. So, but I found them now. So, so we're building, but yeah, I think, I think hiring quicker and trusting that by having the team take care of the clients, we can go out and get more business. And we will, if we, if we know that that's what we like to do, right. We like mm-hmm. to call on agents. We'd like to call uh, and meet with clients and call on business referral sources. Why aren't we doing that more? And we're not doing that more because we feel like we have to be in the office handling our loans. Right. Putting out fires. So I, I got a last question. I said that was the last question, but I lied. So, okay. uh, uh, so the core, you've been doing that for two years. What's one thing you'd mentioned? There's the calling stuff that you do. What's one of the things that you've picked up that has been invaluable for your business from being involved in the core? Well, I think the consistency of the actions of the elite producers and the, the consistency and the speed at which they implement, that is that's the key. And that's it's something quite frankly I'm I'm working to get better at. It's just not something I did really in my early in my career. So that's a habit that I'm learning and, and trying to change. But yeah, th- these guys implement and gals implement quickly and they hire and they trust themselves and they go out and grow their teams. And make it happen. Awesome. So where can people find you online? So johnburnham.com is my website, J-O-H-N-B-U-R-N-A-M.com. It goes directly to my company, personal website. That's awesome. So anybody listening, you can go check out his site. You can go to I Love Mortgage Brokering and we'll links to everything that we talked about. John, buddy, I really appreciate your time and I hope you continue to crush your business. Scott, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you do, you'll get three deals in the next week. Okay, that's not entirely true, but we'd really appreciate it. Also, you can check out everything at ilovemortgagebrokering.com. See you next week.